Okay, I want to tell a story just because it like whacked me out this week. It was so cool. How, do you guys know about Bobby Connor? Have y'all heard of this guy? That guy, he is something else. He's crazy. He talks like 50,000 miles an hour though, so it's like really hard to like listen to him because he'll like tell some like ridiculous story about like heaven and angels and like all this kind of stuff and then like two seconds later he'll go on to like the next, su- next subject and you're like, what did you just, <laughs> like, he, like he tells some wild stories. But anyways, um, he was telling this story about whenever he was, um, he was a pastor in Texas and he was, he was watching like this televangelist, I don't remember which one it was. And he said the televangelist gets on TV and he like puts his hand over like the Bible or something and he's like, right now I just see a woman and I see her, she, she, has, she has eyesight problems and the Lord's healing her right now. And he said he's sitting there and he's watching this and he's like, dude, these programs are taped. You know, like, are you serious? How dumb do you think we are? All this kind of stuff. And he was just criticizing this televangelist. Well, about 10 years later, he was on TV. He got his own TV broadcast. And so he says he's, he, they had a live audience there, but they taped their programs like most televangelists or pe- preachers on TV do. So they have a live audience, and he's preaching, and he's doing all this stuff, and he said there's, you know, like a band behind him and like a live audience, and he's preaching his message, and he says all of a sudden everybody in the whole place is gone. Every, everybody is gone. And all he can see is a man standing on a box with a gun to his head. And that's all he can see in the whole crowd. So he's like, wait, you don't have to do that. You don't have to shoot yourself. That's all, because he was like, this guy was about to shoot himself. And that was the only person he could see. So he screams this, you don't have to do this. You don't have to shoot yourself. And then all of a sudden the whole crowd comes back and they're all like. (laughs) He was like, oh, well. Anyway, so he goes back to what he was talking about. A week later, come to find out, there was a man in an apartment complex in Dallas, in his apartment, standing on top of some type of box, and he had just turned the volume up on the TV as loud as it would go to drown out the sound of the gun, and he turns up the TV, puts the gun back to his head, and this preacher shouts out, wait, you don't have to do it, you don't have to shoot yourself! And he was like, (laughs) (laughs) woo! Oh man, that's good. I love stories like that. (laughs) <laughs> oh man isn't it really funny that one of the very first commands was be fruitful and multiply very, one of the very first one of the very first designs so what I take from that is that we were never meant to be alone ever Now, your relationships, whatever, I don't care. But you're not meant to be alone. And it's pretty much throughout the Bible, you hear people say, don't be alone. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be in a position where no one can speak into your life. A fool has said in his heart that he is wise, but there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. A man that isolates himself seeks his own desire. I really, really believe that community is one of the very first strategies of heaven. It's it's one that's been around for a long time, and it's one that's meant to stay around. 
Be fruitful and multiply. We've done a good job. We've got that one figured out. The idea of a group has always been in the plan. But what we've done is we've allowed all kinds of confusion to get in there, to make all kinds of different things to, to where we divided ourselves amongst ourselves. Why? I'm better than him. He's better than me. He doesn't like me. I don't like him. All these things, they start, they, they're, they're usually almost always like super little whispers. Why did he look at me like that? Why did that happen? Who does he think he is? There's no way he could ever do this. I know what he did last night. I heard what he said about this person. All these little things, these little bitty whispers can cause such a problem. Have you guys ever done the thing where you, you tell one person one thing at, at the beginning or at, at one side of the room? By the time you can see the other side, it's nowhere <laughs> near. Like if I were to tell my brother here, I mean, who knows? We may be awesome and it might actually go all the way through, but I doubt it. I'm going to get to something really good. All right, I'll just, I'll just start talking. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to tell any stories for a second. Tim Brown was talking to me the other day, and he was just like, dude, <laughs> I know. He was, like, he was like, dude, back in the day, you used to, like, scream and, like, yell at everybody and, like, preach. And, man, he had so much passion. And he's like, but we never understood anything you said. They're like, it was good, man, but we just came away like, man, he's got a lot of passion. <laughs> it was so funny. We were at Fair Mountain today, and this guy, he was he was really preaching some good stuff. He was going after it. And he was like, like just shouting, man. And he was like, I mean, he was serious. And the stuff he was saying was good, man. And he was going at it. And then all of a sudden he was like, you know, he's a bigger guy. And he was like, and he was just like, I forgot, I forgot I was in high elevation. And he was like, was, his whole face turned red. He was sweating. He had to like, and it was I was so funny. I was dying. He, but he was going at it. He was getting after it. How many of you have a vision? Like you have a dream? I really hope it's impossible. I really, really, really hope that you can't do it. I mean that with everything inside. I hope that you cannot do it. That if you have any hope in yourself of getting it done, I hope that you dream for something bigger. Yeah. But you know what? When you start telling people that you're about to do something that's impossible, don't get upset when they tell you you're not going to do it. Man, I know for me, especially when I first got going with stuff and I started telling everybody that I was going to be awesome and all this other stuff and they were just like, well, that's sweet. And then I would tell them how I was going to do it. And they're like, well, I don't think so. But you need to keep your hopes up. And I'm like, how am I supposed to keep my hopes up with you saying stuff like that? You know. But if you're telling people that you have impossible dreams and impossible visions, don't be upset when they don't believe you because it's impossible. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going somewhere, I promise. So we'll, 
we'll start here. You guys, we've, we've talked, we've said this, this story so many times. I've read this to you guys so many times. But we're, we're going to look at it from kind of a different angle this time, all right? So in John 6, verse 60, this is right after Jesus had had the biggest crowd that had ever come to him. He gets there, and there's all these many, many people, and he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. People left by the droves. So in verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Is it the Spirit who gives life? The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe. <laughs> you think about that. And who it was who would betray him. Just think about that. He knew who wasn't believing anything he said, and he kept on saying what he was saying. He knew who was going to betray, betray him, and he kept hanging out with him the whole time. If that's not unconditional love, I don't know what it is. He knew the whole time who was going to betray him, and he never treated him different at all. If somebody gives us bad looks every now and again, we don't <laughs> call them on the phone. We hope that they never come around again. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm wrong. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to the Father unless granted. Or nobody, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. <laughs> so funny. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was the one of the twelve that was going to betray him. All right. Talk about this all the time. We've said so many things about this. This is what I want to say. This is where we're going with this. As much as I'm usually in the position of casting out some kind of vision that's absolutely just ridiculously impossible. I love meeting with people and then just telling them, dude, I think you're about to do something really crazy, and I'm all for it. As much as I'm normally the one that is preaching some kind of insane, this is going to kill us if it doesn't work type thing, I much more look for the opportunity that when somebody has done something off the wall to say, I still believe in you. Now, to this point, he had not explained at all the Last Supper. He, they, he had still said to them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. People had just left by the droves. Think about this. He had still not explained himself. 
didn't tell them that this was symbolism. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Everybody starts leaving. Some of his disciples, are you picking this up? Like people that had walked with him. So there's the 12 that walked with him from the beginning, but there were others that had traveled with them, that had given things up to follow him. And when everybody dipped out, it was the 12 that stayed. And he turned to them and said, are y'all going to leave too? And one of them said, where else are we going to go? What else are we going to do? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe that you are the Holy One sent from God. He had still not explained himself. He hadn't explained anything. He left them with the same option that everyone else had to leave. I'm really glad that Peter stood up and said, where else are we going to go? All these people just left. His disciples have turned and left. All the rest of them, the 12, stood there looking and no one said a word when he said, are y'all going to leave? None of them said anything. Thank you, Jesus, for Peter saying, we're not going anywhere. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. How many times have you seen someone step out in faith and truthfully, honestly, if we can be honest right now, you wanted them to fail? Am I the only one? I'll be, I, I'll, I will, I, I have. I'm not going to lie about this. Anybody else? You see them and you're just like, man, who does, I hope he doesn't actually do what he just said he's going to do. And then when they do screw up, you're like, hey, brother, I was praying for you. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I'm so glad he didn't do said he was going to do because I would have been ruined. And then you see them walk around like defeated, dominated. I don't remember, I mean, Jamie, it was really funny, Jamie was, Jamie Englehart, he's teaching here tomorrow, that guy's hilarious, but he was teaching at Prayer Mountain last night and he started saying some stuff, and I could so, like, resonate with a lot of stuff he was saying. He had to go through, like, a grueling, sonship, awful internship thing like I had to do, too. So he had to, like, iron clothes and stuff. I didn't do that. Praise God for Penny, but I would have. But he started talking about how he's, like, 46 or something now, and he said that he started Bible school with, like, 600 students, and he said at the end there was, like, maybe, like, 75 of them that graduated. And of that 75, he said there's like nine that are actually in ministry now. You know what happens? People get discouraged. And we are happy about it. I know it sounds bad, guys, but I'm getting to a place right now. 
I'm going to minister to everybody here in a second, but I'm just trying to expose something because I don't think any of you have ever heard a preacher stand up and say, you love it when people fail, but you do. I've been there. One thing that people love to see more than a hero is to see a hero fall. You can never know about somebody, some preacher somewhere trying to make it until he screws up and then he's on the front page of the news. Why? Because people want to hear about people screwing up. Ted Haggard got more famous than he ever was prior to him messing up a little bit, screwing up. He got so much more famous after that, that incident than he ever was prior to it. Somebody steps out and does something absolutely crazy. I want to be the even if they fail or it looks like they failed, I want to be the one that comes back to them and says, you have the words of eternal life. You may not have made it. It may not have looked like what you did. It may not have looked like what everybody thought you were going to look like. You may not have done what we were all expecting you to do, but you have the words of eternal life. There's something special about you. At least you tried. Is this like too heavy for it to be this cold outside? I'm going to tell some good stories here in a second, I promise. I'm going to be nice. Gosh. Wow. So I heard this old preacher, he told this story one time. And he said that he had a friend that was, um, he was actually like um, on a, in a, a certain like Native American reservation, like it was a nature reserve. But it was like, it was, it was actually like a part of this tribe and like in their community or whatever. And he says, I want to show you something because he had just got done preaching and people had heard that he used a lot of symbolism with eagles when he preached and that he'd done all this kind of stuff. And so he says, I want to show you something. He just got done preaching in this like nearby town. And he says, I'm going to take you someplace and I'm going to show you something. So he's like, okay. So they go and they're driving up this hill and he says he sees all these crosses, these very small crosses with, in, with eagle feathers on them. And you're just like, what are all these crosses? He says, I'm going to show you. And he said, as they, as they kept driving, he saw more and more and more. Well, anyways, they, they get to this like certain place. And he said it was almost like a, a bowl in the center of this, these like high mountains. And he said, down in this bowl, there were these eagles. And he said, they didn't even look like eagles, though. He said, they had huge like uh, calcified beaks. And that there was this like, like some kind of smog all over their eyes. They looked just, uh, these are bald eagles that are normally so majestic, so beautiful, and they were just ugly. They, they, all their feathers were falling out, all this kind of stuff, and he's like, what's wrong with those eagles? And he said, every eagle goes through this process. And he was like, really? And he said, it usually happens right a, a period of time after they get kicked out of the nest. They go through this process, and he said, they don't fly. They go all the way down to this pit. They won't fly anymore. And he said, the re because they don't fly, their eyes and their beaks are designed when they, when they hunt, that they, they break off all this whatever on their beak and all the wind across their face, it brushes off all of the, the stuff that was on their eyes. And he said, and they won't eat, so they start losing their feathers and all these kinds of things. And he says, this happens to every single eagle. And he said, all of those crosses were the eagles that died. And he's like, well, how do they get out of this season? He says, just wait. So they're sitting there, and 
waiting and watching these eagles. And you can look this up. I did after I heard this story. Sitting there and watching these eagles, and all, the heard, all of a sudden they hear this cry. And if you have ever heard an eagle cry, you will never forget the sound. It is so unique and so piercing that you never forget the way it sounds. Well, they start hearing these eagles cry, and all of a sudden they see these eagles swoop over and they drop food down to these eagles that were on the ground. And just over again, they would fly over and drop food down to the <laughs> eagles that were on the ground. Some of them ate. Some of them didn't. He said the ones that will eat, slowly but surely, they'll start getting their feathers back. Before too long, they start smashing their beaks up against a rock to break all of this, this calcimized food piece off, and then they start flying. <coughs> I'm going to read something to you guys. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. He asked them, he said, how did the eagles know to drop food down to them? And he said, all of those eagles are eagles that made it out of that process. I know for me, what changed my thinking was when I stepped out in faith and it didn't look like I thought it was going to look like. The next time I heard a story about somebody stepping out and doing something and not turning out, I wasn't so judgmental. The next time I heard of somebody really going after something hard and not getting it, my thinking had changed a little. You know, if you talk to somebody in boot camp about war, they will have all kinds of opinions. They will have all kinds of things to say. But you talk to somebody that's been there three times, gone through war, about war, totally different opinions every time. Are you guys kind of seeing what I'm saying? Yeah. We have a choice. When somebody fails, does it in any way change their identity? No. How many times have you screwed up? Probably a lot, but I bet your name stayed the same the whole time. <laughs> what you attributed to your name, what you tacked onto the end of it, might have changed. But who you were never did. You guys, is this making any sense? <laughs> okay, all right, well. You guys show it though. 
First Samuel 21. Is this, I'm serious though, guys. Is this like ministering to you guys? I need to know. I'm like, is this good? That better not have been just like out of courtesy either. You're doing great. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that was good. Just keep talking. All right. First Samuel chapter 21. Then David came to Nob. Nob? Nob? How do you say that? <laughs> to Elimelech the priest. And Elimelech came to meet David trembling and said, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Elimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you. And with which I have charged you, I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have in hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, truly women have been kept from us always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it's, an, when it's an ordinary journey. How much more will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord, to be replaced with hot bread when the day is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there at that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Diog the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Elimelech, Elimelech, how do you say his name? <laughs> then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. He took off. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. He was not on a king's mission. He was running for his life. So basically, he goes to church and lies. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm really, really busy. If you got any food, I, I didn't have anything to bring with me and why are you alone? Well, because I'm going to meet some people someplace. He's lying. Point blank, lying. Running for his life. Now, let's think about this. This is right after he's married to the king's daughter. He's killed Goliath. He's about 20 years old at this point. People have written songs about him. He's about to be king. He can taste it. Now he's running for his life, wrongly accused, all this other kind of stuff. He's got a crazy king chasing him with the authority of an entire kingdom. Running for his life. He gets to the priest because he's starving. 
and says, do you have a weapon? Do you have a sword anywhere? You got to put yourself in his perspective. If I'm him, I'm ready to give up the king thing. It's not working out. You read on further and you see that he went into the camp of the Philistines and acted crazy, drooled on himself. So they would think that he had gone crazy and let him into the king. If you have got to go into your enemy's camp and act like a fool just to survive, you are in a bad place. <laughs> if the only place that was ever safe for us to go was to do something crazy enough to get put in prison. Y'all figuring out why I'm laying down? I'd rather be locked away in a place so far away from my promise. They're driving these people. I mean, guys, come on. Let's think about this. He's in the midst of that journey, getting as far away from his promise as he possibly can. And in the journey, away from what he's called to. In the journey, away from what was given to him. In the journey, away from what it took every ounce of his shepherd faith to even believe he could do. He gets into the priest's temple and he sees a reminder of who he is. He sees a reminder of when he stepped out into something that was completely impossible and the Lord delivered him. He is on the journey as far, he's going away from everything that's been promised to him. He's running away from the crown that was his. And in the midst of that, he sees a reminder of who he is. I'm telling you what, guys, I want to be the guy that turns to somebody and says, you have the words of eternal life. I want to be the sword that reminds somebody that they can still do the impossible, even if they didn't get it right. If you stepped out and you screwed up, or you stepped out full of faith and it didn't happen. I want to be the sword that reminds you, you've cut off the head of a giant before and you're going to do it again. I love doing this. I love hanging out with people. I love sitting and talking and stuff. And it's, it's because I believe in family, I hear some awful, awful things from people sometimes. Bad, you know, like I've had, and then I've had some people tell me some funny stuff too. But I mean, I've gone through some stuff with people. I've been through people's junk with them. I've seen people make terrible mistakes. Where you look at them and you go, okay, first of all, we need to figure out where you put your brain <laughs> before you did this. Probably the same place I keep throwing mine. Right? <laughs> What I love to do when somebody has screwed up and they feel like, dude, I'm giving up. I don't, I don't have nothing left. I'm not doing this anymore. I look at them and say, you're a liar. And you know what? I've got really good news. And they say, what? And I'll say, I promise you tomorrow the sun's going to come up. Promise. Tomorrow the sun will going to go to bed tonight and there's going to be another day tomorrow and if not praise God <laughs> <laughs> you guys pick up what I'm saying 
I promise you, no matter how bad it is, no matter how horrible what you're going through is, tomorrow the sun's going to come up. And you get to try again. And then the day after that, you get to go again. And then the day after that, you get to go again. Eventually, you can get this right. And the best thing about it is, is tomorrow the odds are still in your favor. And the next day, still in your favor. And if we want to be honest about it, we get more favor every single day. Because of the increase of his government, there will be no end. As the glory faded away on Moses, we have a glory that is ever increasing. This is in the Bible. I can prove it. It's the truth, the everlasting truth. When we get to heaven, same word. Those words will still be written. And in heaven, throughout all of eternity, the increase of his government won't have an end. It's going to keep going and growing. And we're right smack in the middle of that. And he said that everything that he had, all of the authority has been given to him. Such I give to you. And his authority and government doesn't end. It keeps increasing. So all of that authority, all of that government is in us. And every day it grows. So the odds are in your favor more and more every single day. You've got something that can't be stopped. So what? It didn't look like you thought it was going to look like. Try again. You got a better chance this time. I'm going to tell you guys one more story. And then I think, you know what? I'm going to, I feel like I really feel led to like, prophesy over some of you guys and speak some stuff out, but I understand it is freaking cold outside and the streets are bad, so if you want to go, just let me finish this story before you do that, and I want to pray for you guys. After that, you guys can go, but let me let me finish this. I know you guys, some of you guys really do need to get home, maybe a little far or whatever, but <clears throat> how many of you guys have ever heard of the Kruger National Park? Some of you guys, it's beautiful. It's in South Africa. <coughs> gorgeous place. It's, it's a, a nature reserve. It's where they got all the lions and baboons and stuff I don't want to have any part of. <laughs> but in South Africa, they have the African fish eagle. Have you ever heard of it? It looks just like a bald eagle, but like half the size. It's a lot smaller. Looks and acts just like a bald eagle. Just way, way, way smaller. The cry of the fish eagle is almost identical to a bald eagle, but it's very much more, it's, it's, it's a lot higher pitched. It's very sharp, even more piercing than a bald eagle. So if you guys have ever heard a bald eagle cry, then think of like much more piercing, and that, that's a fish eagle. So they had rescued a fish eagle when it was like, you know, baby or whatever, I don't know. They had this big, huge thing. This, this fish eagle had been in captivity its entire life, and they were going to go into the Kruger National Park, and they were going to release it back into the wild. Big deal. So they get all these, like, TV crews and all these kind of, I mean, it's on the news, big, huge deal, and they, they get the cage, and they, they put it on the ground, and they're all, like, hyped up and excited about it, and they open the cage, and the bird steps out and just sat there. 
around a little bit, but just sat there. So they're all like waiting for it to take off. I mean, TV crews, all this stuff, and it's just. So they start, and they start trying to like shoo the bird, and it just kind of like. And then they start like trying to like kick it and like prod it to get it going. It's still just like moving and flapping its wings away, but it's not flying. It's been in captivity its entire life. People start going home. Cameras turn off. People start going home. Pretty much everybody looks like, well, this turned out great. But then the most amazing thing happens. Another fish eagle flies over and cries. (laughs) 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 This bird lost its starts looking up, trying to figure out where it came from, and starts acting weird. I mean, it's running from side to side super fast, flapping its wings, nothing's happening. But this eagle stayed up above it and kept crying as it flew over. Within about five minutes, this bird took off for the first time. Didn't do very good. (laughs) It's about this high off the ground and straight into a tree. But he got back out to where he could see the eagle again. And he took off again. (coughs) Fell again. Took off again. Fell again. Took off again. Fell again. Within 15 minutes, this eagle was soaring with the other eagle following around. People have been in captivity for It's not their fault whenever the first time they try to fly, they screw up. <laughs> Come on. It's not our job to tell them how bad they were. It's our job to keep showing them what's possible. It's our job to be a constant reminder, a constant sword in the priest's temple. You can do the impossible. You screwed up. It didn't happen. Who cares? Keep going. Every single Every time you see church discipline in the entire Bible, it is always ended with reconciliation. There is not a single time where church discipline was instituted in the Bible where we get the outline for church discipline that the end result wasn't complete reconciliation. Even when Paul said, I have turned his body over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, it was so that his soul could be saved. And we've turned it into, we want people to fail so bad so that we can look better. We want people to screw up so bad so that we have a better chance at having some significance. All it is is we've forgotten that we're already significant. And the significance that we had, we didn't earn. It was given to us freely the same way it's given to everybody else. And they can't take mine away. I can't take theirs away. But we can add to each other. The only way you can get what I got is if I've given it to you. You can't take it because you didn't give it to me. We've gotten so insecure, myself included. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I, I've asked for some of you to fail. I mean, like, preach on, brother. <laughs> I'd rather just be vulnerable with you. We've gotten so insecure. 
whenever we are the most significant creatures that have ever existed, ever, with unlimited potential. It's our job to remind people that they are the tool, the gateway to the impossible for somebody else. There's nothing they can't do. Let's be those guides to say, you have the words of eternal life. Let's remind them of who they are. It's time that we quit beating each other down. You know, it says that the Bible, that the word is a two-edged sword. If you look at a two-edged sword and what it was designed for, it was meant for two things. It was meant for attack and for defense. A sword is two-sided. It's meant for attack and it's meant for defense. But we're not supposed to attack each other. Mm. Wow. This doesn't make any sense. If we said we were going to war, even from a place of victory, now let's think about this, guys. The devil's defeated. Mm. As defeated as they come. He was marched naked through the streets. So how does a place that lives from victory have defeat? Somebody that's in victory tries to defeat other people in victory. Mutiny. How do you think the enemy gets up on the hill? Somebody on the hill's got to bring him up there. If we said we were going to battle, we have our weapons armor and the spirit, all that type of stuff. And we turn around and we take everything that we've learned and start destroying the people around us, the people on our team. What does the enemy have to do? Stand and watch. The word is a two-edged sword, but it destroys the work of the enemy because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's our defense. You know, it's no, it's no surprise that the breastplate of righteousness, the thing designed to hold all of our organs to protect the vital parts of us is righteousness. Righteousness from God protects the most vital part of us. Our righteousness isn't in ourself. You guys pick up what I'm laying down? We need to fight together. Let's remind each other you can do the impossible. Whatever that dream that you have, whatever was spoken to you, you can do it. Yeah. And if you step out and screw up, I'll pick you back up. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, is if somebody has a word from God, it's their dream to go do something. It's not just for them. And the majority of the time, the people that are doing it don't want to do it. It was an assignment. Let's believe in each other. Anyways, I really do feel, um, and you guys are free to go now. I love you guys. Um, I hope you come back next week when it's not as 
previously told that fact. <laughs> and by the way, thank you guys so much for coming tonight. Oh my gosh, like, wow. You guys are awesome. I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> Good job. Well played. Well played, sir. <laughs> that was insanely sweet. I'm gonna cry. I'll never ever forget in my whole life um, when we first got started with Pulse, and this is, I think I'm fairly certain Isaac was there this night. Um, long time ago now, which is weird to say, but it was like this outside, but it was like real cold. I mean, it was like really icy. The roads were way worse than they are right now. And at this point in time, the church was at the bottom of a hill <laughs> like this. So, I mean, it was like death to get down there. I mean, it was terrifying. I mean, you slid down the hill. There was no, and then once you stopped sliding, you would try to like turn and get back into the church. It was crazy. Well, anyways, I show up, and I'm thinking, like, I'm here just because I have to be, nobody's coming tonight. And I will never forget, one by one, the band started walking in, and I was sitting there like, oh, my gosh. And I'm thinking, well, cool, the band's here, but they have some type of commitment to this. And then, like, three people showed up that night, and one of them brought cookies. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember sitting there and just about, like, losing my mind about to cry and just thanking them for being so faithful. You know, there's more than three of you guys here, but, like, I just, I want to say that again, and this reminds me so much of that night. Thank you guys so much, because I know it's, like, freaking cold outside, and sitting in your bed, like, (laughs) watching Netflix all warm and snuggly is awesome. So the fact that you guys came out here is absolutely beautiful to me, and thank you so much is what I want to say. But um, I really do, I really do want to, I haven't done this in a while. Um, I feel really led to do it this evening. I haven't I haven't stood up and just given words from from um, whatever this is in a long time. Um, but I really feel led to do it. So if you gotta go, no big deal. You can you can head out. Um, but I am just I'm gonna kind of g- get quiet here for just a second. And I feel like the Lord definitely definitely has some things He wants to say to some people tonight. Also, if you are sitting there and you've had a word for somebody the entire night, or you've been sitting around and you're like. The Lord is speaking something to you about someone. You have permission right now to go tell them. Matter of fact, you have obligation to do that. So if that if that's anybody in here, I'm about to release this thing. Um, and it, I, I really do. I feel like there's probably going to be some of you right Yeah. There's going to be a couple of you guys right now that, that um, you're going to be really, really nervous. And that's okay. This is a good thing. Um, but the Lord's going to start speaking to you about some people in this room. So if somebody comes up to you and they have a word for you, you can tell them, I don't want you to pray for me, but don't be a jerk about it. Because a lot of the time, it took a lot of courage for them to come and speak to you, the majority of the time. So anyways, we're, I'm just going to kind of get a little quiet right now, and the Lord's going to yeah.
feel the first one. Um, what I really see is um, I see a lot of leadership, but I see a network of people. So it's not um, it's not just like you're you're moving into a season of um, like mentorship, which is something I think you already knew. You were coming into a season of of um, favor with people that you're gonna, it's gonna be kind of a time of you like fathering and pouring into people, but not only that, but it's going to, it's going to web out into like a network. You're gonna be entrusted with a lot of men's hearts. There's gonna be, um, it's, it's a pastoral anointing, but it's not necessarily pastoral like we think pastoral, like a church or whatever, but you're gonna be given charge over men's hearts to protect them and to guide them, to walk them into truth. Um, to be a brother, to be a friend, to be a dad. And I see it coming pretty strong. I think in the next year to year and a half is when this is going to begin to start. It's going to begin to start taking place. And it's usually, I think it's going to be kind of one by one, and it's probably going to start with the people you don't really like is what I really feel. I feel like um, you're going to just kind of have that, and you know what that's like. You're just going to have that draw towards a couple people, and something really small will start from that. And then from there, it will it'll begin to grow. I'm seeing... Um, Anyways, you'll figure it out, but it's going to be good. And then I really see something strong on you, but I'm just going to kind of let it sit for a second because I'm coming back to it. But Josh, I have a word for you, so we're not, we're not moving away from this. And my sister back here with the gloves, I don't know your name. I, I don't even think I got to say hi to you yet. But I see, um, I, mean, I actually saw, and this is kind of funny, but like I saw like little bitty sheep behind you. <laughs> like really small they were super cute and they were just like they were like kind of like following you around and I um, I think that there's like a nurturing capability inside of you that you haven't necessarily tapped into yet like there's gonna be a lot of stuff drawn out of you it's like a um, it's a it, look I'm serious man I don't know if you know any of these people but I have people in my life that I like just tug because I need it like, if I get around them and let them just, like, scratch my back or hug me, like, it brings healing to my whole body. And it's that mothering, nurturing thing. And it's a gift. It's something that not many people have. It's not just a woman thing. This is something way, way further than that. You have the ability to just heal people with your presence. Yeah. And I'm not talking about physical healing. I mean, that may be there. I don't know. But there's going to be people that are very distressed and just tired. And you just have the ability come around them and bring peace to their soul. That all the unrest that's in people's heart, the stuff that's going on that's tormenting them, just with your presence, a hug, sitting next to them and talking to them, you bring this soothing peace. And so, don't be surprised. You're going to feel all soft <laughs> and cuddly sometimes, but you also, it, it always goes hand, hand in hand with this anointing, with this ability you also have the ability to be extremely confrontational. And it's because you love people. It's not because you never, you're never going to come at people out of a heart of, of anger or, or you know, mistrust or manipulation. It's because you love people and you want the best for them. So don't be surprised if um, the people that you feel this passion for, this um, mothering, like caring for, you're also probably going to be very confrontational with them. And that's okay. And it's because you, you guard their heart. So I would say that the, the first step in this is probably just like love on people, give people hugs, and open yourself up to that. And um, don't be afraid.
Nate, what I see right now is, is you, you're stretching so high. And you're already like ridiculously tall, but I mean, <laughs> your feet are really firmly planted, so you're not movable, which is, which is good. You have, you have a spirit about you that nobody's going to lead you astray. Your feet are planted. You have a firm foundation. You're not going anywhere. But you can be stretched to the point where you're, it's hard to put the pieces back together. And I see you going like, you're going up there. And you like it. You like being that high where you can see stuff. You like being up high where you can see out, and it's great thing is, is if you speed up growth, you don't allow it to be organic, you cause problems. Stuff doesn't fit right anymore. I really feel like the Lord is saying that this, this growth process for you is going to be organic. It's going to be something that happens slowly. Now, our idea of slow and his idea of slow is way different. When you get to the place, the desire that you've been given, see, you latch on to something and you don't let go. And that's a good thing. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you get to the place where you're going, you're going to be so much, you're going to be able to carry what's there. At this place right now, you're at, you can be snapped. Your feet aren't ever going anywhere. You're rooted and you're grounded. But you can be broken. And the Lord is guarding your heart right now. I feel like... Um, I don't, and don't take this a negative way, but I see doors closing. And it's because you run through them before they're time. So there's going to be doors. There's still doors of opportunity for you, but there's no, they're not as vast. It's because the Lord is using the doors that he's opened to grow you and stretch you in certain areas. So allow it to happen. That makes sense. challenge for you to hope in anything. You had a hard time hoping. Hoping for anything. Hoping for any kind of expectation. You feel like you've been let down so many times. And that's been tough. But he is our hope where there is no hope. He is the hope. Anywhere that he is, everything comes Right now, yeah, I feel right now that everybody that, that that ministers to right now, the people that are saying, like, man, I need some help, that that, that, that restoration of hope, you're going to feel it tangibly right now. This isn't all ooey-gooey. This is you're actually going to feel something take place in your body, in your spirit right now. So, Holy Spirit, I bless what you're doing right now. Thank you, thank you. Mike, man, I see a, 
I see you working on an engine. And this isn't necessarily in the physical. This is you're getting something ready to, to run for a long time. You're building something right now with longevity. And so don't just force this process to be super quick. Allow this to not, and it's not going to drag out either. I mean, it's going to be in its time. But just, you're, I see you working on an engine. And man, I tell you, I'm excited about you. I'm excited about what's <coughs> going to come on the other side of this. I'm not saying that there's not some tough stuff coming up, because there probably is. There probably is some stretching stuff coming, coming in front of you right now. And I'm not saying that I'm all pumped about that. But what, what I am saying is on the other side of this, if you'll hang on, Allow the, the Lord to be who he is in your life. You're, you're building something right now that's going to run for a long time. You're building a machine, an engine that's going to take you where you need to go. Yeah. This isn't like an A to B short distance type of thing. This is something, this is a longevity mission and assignment. You're putting the pieces in place. You're going to have to get a little filthy. You're going to have to use tools. And you're going to have to work. But when you get done with this, you're going to be ready to go. So good. So good about that. You got cool stuff coming. Yeah. I'm excited about those testimonies. There, um, yeah, there are a couple people in here. And you, I'm not, I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to tell me who you are. After after we're done, if you want to come up and you, you want to talk to me, that's fine. But um, have, <laughs> do you guys know in, in, in Revelation, the Lord defines demonic activity? He says it as is the frog. He says... The demonic realm is like a frog, is like the frog. And you guys ever heard about this? Heard this before? Remember, know what I'm talking about in Revelation? No. Frogs have no neck. They can't turn. They can't turn their neck. What is repentance? change your thinking. There are people in here right now you're struggling with something and you can't change your mind. You can't get away from this. You can't, you feel like you can't repent. You've tried. You feel like, and then it could be something just with your attitude. It could be something deeper than that. It could be some things that feel like you feel like you can't change your mind. You can't turn away from this. There's a demonic stronghold. And that thing's going to go. Yeah. So, Father, I thank you that you break every chain. Yeah. That you break every chain. Holy Spirit. Freedom. Freedom right now in Jesus' name.
every chain is broken. That all things are renewed. See, God doesn't wash a stain out of something and gives you a whole new shirt. He makes it brand new. As though it never existed. So we just right now, we reveal the lies that we can't, we can't do anything about this, that we can't change our thinking, that we can't be whole. Freedom. <coughs> Total freedom. Total purity. Reconciliation. lot deeper stuff than that. There's there's a couple of people that are that you got some stuff going on. It's okay. It's really funny that Jesus never embarrassed anybody unless they were fully himself. Nobody that came to him with a problem ever got embarrassed. Ever. You would think they would have been <laughs> from the stuff people said to him. And he said he was just like, oh it's okay. This is good. <laughs> they got fixed. Josh, I see you. And you've got a lot around you. It's like you actually look like a rock. Like a big round rock. And you're in a place where it's kind of stagnant right now. You're standing in, but you're, you're way up there. You're, you're high on the hill. But you're not moving. You can see all kinds of stuff, and you're totally comfortable. But there's going to be a momentum started in your life right now that has to first be started by a drop. This isn't a bad thing. This doesn't mean you're going to get sick. This doesn't mean you're going to be poor. This doesn't mean any of those things at all. Anything that comes from that is not of Jesus, and it's a lie. You're not going to be sick. You're not going to be poor. You're not going to lose everything, but you might lose everything. Do you feel what I'm saying? There's a momentum being started in your life that if you allow it, will be unstoppable. There's about to start an opportunity. You're going to feel like you're free falling. The Lord right now, I see him pressing into your identity really, really strong. I'm talking about this. is He's going to touch some stuff that you don't talk about when you give your testimony. He's going to start getting a little deeper with some things. You know, I, I think Jamie said it best this week. He said it, um, he talked about how it's sweet to the mouth, but once it gets in our stomach, it's bitter. You know, how many of you guys have seen that one? The first time that you taste of the Lord, you're like, this is awesome. And then he like starts messing with your stuff and you're like, this is not okay anymore. This is not, why weren't you just the way you were when we first got started? And it's because once you let him inside, he's jealous. He's the only one that can be king. I am the Lord and my glory I will not share with another. He wants to reveal his glory on you, but he's not sharing it with anybody else. He's not going to glorify those things inside of you that are holding you back. He's not going to glorify the things that are trying to slow down your momentum. 
He's going to destroy them. Jesus will reign in that place forever. Think about it. Tiffany, I see the Lord right now, and he's establishing pillars, monuments, and the things that he's already done. He's about to take you back through his faithfulness. You're going to see a timeline. He's going to start, he, start showing you stuff that you didn't know was him. If this is going to be a process where you feel like, dude, I'm done with this. I'm done going back. But if you don't go back, you can't retrace your steps. He's about to show you his faithfulness in every, and it's because the next season of your life is advancement. And we're taking new ground. You're going further. But before you can go anywhere, you need to see what he's already done. You need to be established in the monuments that he's built in your heart where he reigns, where he won a victory, and he's established places in your heart that show a monument to him. There's points in your life like connect the dots, and there's a lot more of them than you know. He's going to start taking you back to, I see, the, I see three years old is what I see. It's something that took place a long, long time ago. And there's some stuff that, that, that took place in that infancy stage of your life, that toddler stage of your life, and he's about to show you his glory in it. The depth of your calling is greater than anything you ever know, and you've got to get back to the root of it first. Yeah. He's going to take you way, way back, girlfriend. But it's going to be good. You need to see these monuments again. You're going to have to relive some stuff that sucked. But you're going to come away with this, with the overwhelming sense of victory. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to taste and see how good he is, how good he's already been. You're not going to be able to deny his faithfulness ever again. Ever again. He's taking you back through some stuff. You guys are going to win some victories together again. It's going to be good. Oh, Lord. There's some good stuff going on. I need to smile more. <laughs> the nicest guy I know. He always upsets. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. You guys stand up real quick. I'm just going to pray for you. There are big, big, big changes coming to this house. There are some big, big changes happening. There's some stuff taking place behind the scenes right now that I can't even talk about, but it's going to be good. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. You guys that don't want to be a part of it, just hang around and watch because it's still going to be cool. Wow, wow, wow. I tell you what, man, some of you guys need to just jump on the bandwagon and quit fighting yourself. Quit crying about it. <laughs> you know, a lot of times you got to be faithful with somebody else before you get anything of your own. God bless you guys that learned how to drive in a car that was bought for you, but I learned in something that wasn't mine. 
you skip the preparation stage, you're stunting your growth. All right. Holy Spirit, speak life to everyone in this room. And I pray right now that our eyes are open to your faithfulness. That you've been with us every step of the way. That there wasn't a time that we were alone. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. That you are the God that makes all things possible. That you gave us our dreams and you're going to make them happen too. That you are the substance of everything we've ever hoped for. That you paint bigger dreams in our heart than we could ever achieve. Holy Spirit, I just speak life to everyone here. And I curse the enemy. I curse death in this place. Anything that causes any type of distraction or lack, I command you to go. You don't get to hang out here ever again. You don't have a part in this place. You have no right here. Holy Spirit, everywhere that there, every everybody in here that had something cut off of them tonight, everything that had a weight lifted, everyone that had a promise, I just speak right now, rest, that you fill them with truth. A rest in the Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for your goodness. That our situation has never changed who you are. That you're always, always, always good. That you never, ever, ever fail. That you never, ever, ever lie. That you always, always, always come to our baseball game. <laughs> that when nobody else was there, you were there. When we thought we were alone, we were nowhere near alone. Thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your goodness. And I pray right now to all of us that have felt alone, to all of us that thought we were doing this on our own and wondering where you were, I pray that you show us just how real you've been, just how right here with us you are, and the greatness that's on the other side. Holy Spirit, I just speak a new song in all of our hearts, a song of faithfulness. There's somebody in here, my eyes are closed. I can't see anything. If your eyes are open, I want you to close them right now. My eyes are closed, I, I promise. You guys can trust me. If you have your eyes open, please close them. I'm asking you. There's somebody in here that you are going through the darkest time of your entire life. The hardest, most challenging time. You feel like everything's falling apart. You are having a hard, hard, hard time. I want you to raise your hand. Everybody in this house should have your eyes closed. If you're going through the most difficult, trying season of your life, please raise your hand. I have my eyes closed, I promise. I don't know who it is. God is restoring joy to you right now. David wrote most of the Psalms, but he wrote them in the cave when he was running for his life, and nobody believed in him. His family was gone. His promise was as far away as it could be. Everything about him was going wrong, and he wrote songs of praise. Joy is being restored to you. 
Peace immeasurable. It's these songs and it's this joy that's going to deliver you from the darkness. It's going to be the light that shines when no, nothing else is bright. Holy Spirit, I just speak your presence in your people. So you have your hand raised and you put it down about that. Holy Spirit, I thank you that our eyes are open to your goodness. Thank you.